Well, good morning, church. We spent this past week teaching the children through the Vacation Bible School, and now today I want to challenge a continuation of this. But to all adults, everyone, outside the church and everywhere, to be teaching the children. It will be in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 today. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. So I welcome you. Please open your Bibles there now. Once more, that's Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. I'll give you a quick moment as I also prepare. All right, there we go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9, again, is where we are at today. It looks like my PowerPoint, there we go, is going to work. Please follow along as I read. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules. Notice again, now this is the commandment. This isn't just a, a optional thing. This isn't just a recommendation. This isn't just a word of caution. This is the commandment, the statutes. And the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God. Now, I want to state that most occurrences, if not all, when we're speaking of to fear the Lord, doesn't mean fear and trembling as, as you are scared of him. No, it means a fear of worship, a fear of love, a fear of reverence and of respect. This is why you do these things. You respect him, you love him, you worship him, you glorify him, you appreciate him just so greatly that you come to before him with fear and trembling. You and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. We continue on. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. I love that word that the ESV translation here uses, with all your might. It just sounds more powerful to me than strength. It's with everything you have. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The text we just read is perhaps one of the most well-known portions of the Old Testament among the Jewish faith. Jews commonly refer to verses 4 to 9 as the Shuma, which means in Hebrew, hear. Hear this, 
Listen up, perk up, pay attention, yield to what I'm about to tell you. Shuma. The Shuma is the Jewish creed or prayer that opens synagogue worship and may be recited twice a day by devout Jews. It is the text that I believe is as a forefront of their minds and they have it so memorized and, and so well a part of their lives by reading it multiple times a day that they cannot help but remember the importance to do these things in their families. And I believe this word or command, a shuma, to shuma, to hear or to hear this is appropriate for us this morning. Especially for those of us who are parents or those who minister to or around children. You see, all of us can and should have a God-glorifying effect on the next generation and beyond. Today's message, I believe, is a simple one. I didn't say short, but simple. It's profound and it's important, though. One of which comes from this famous section of Scripture here found in Deuteronomy 6. I doubt I will be bringing you any great new insights, but I pray today serves as a great reminder of the fundamental truths that we may often neglect to hear and abide to live by and teach within our very lives. And so, I petition you to be teaching the children. I petition you to hear to Shuma once again what has been plainly said by God. We must be teaching the children. For those taking notes today, there are two main points today. And I encourage you to go ahead and write these down. I'll give them to you in just a moment. Actually, everyone, please find a pen, a pencil, a piece of paper, or open up a reminder or a note-taking app on your phone. I want to have all of you write these down. For as I said previously, these points, they may be simple, maybe even redundant or already known within your lives, but they're profound and of extreme importance for us to be acting out, living with. They may not be new ideas, but we must hear them in a new way. We must yield to God's command in how we apply the ideas to or within our lives and to the children. With the points you're about to write down, I want to, you to take the piece of paper and put it in a place where you see it often, perhaps on your refrigerator or a mirror, in your wallet or pocket, on your desk wherever you might see it, so it might serve it as a reminder. If on your phone, set up a reminder to go off a couple times a day to pray these things, to do these things everywhere you go. The first point is this. Teach the children through your words. They are listening. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Again, not new words, not maybe, maybe they are simple words. Maybe it's redundant. Maybe you know it, but I still find it profound and of great importance that we remember that we must teach the children through our words because they are listening. We must watch our mouth. More specifically, we must be teaching our children about God through our words. They're listening to what we say 
Do our words teach godly truths and revelations about him and his ways? Do our words honor and glorify him and his greatness? We must watch our mouth and maybe wash out your mouth too. The second point is this. Teach the children through your living, your actions. For not only are they listening, they are watching. And so you must watch your steps. Watch your steps. More specifically, teach our children about God through how we live our lives, through how we breathe, through how we step, through how we act, through who we place our faith in. This is of great importance. We just got done with a week of vacation Bible school. Praise the Lord. But we should not be depending only on such things as church-led ministries to be teaching the children the things of God. We have a responsibility, a command, a blessing. We must take it seriously in a world which wants to wipe God away and out of all aspects of our kids' lives. We must fulfill God's commands to teach the children and to teach the children of God. Christians must model God for the children, but not just in our minds and not just one day a week or one week a year, but with our speech and actions every day and everywhere. Let me repeat that once again. Christians must model God for the children, but not just in our minds, not just one day a week or one week a year, but with our speech and actions every day and everywhere. When it comes to the matter of instructing children, parents and adults may tend to limit themselves in how children are taught. I believe, number one, we may not teach the children in any way the things of God at home, as we believe this to be for the church, pastors, missionaries, or other ministries or people to do. We often have a fallacy of thought here, assuming there just to be no time or that we just are not qualified. Wrongful thoughts. Alternatively, parents and adults may gravitate towards one method of personal teaching. Secondly, we may lean toward teaching them through words only. Or, number three, we may be modeling God through living and actions, but not both actions and words. Or not both at church and personally through words and life of our living. Unfortunately, rarely are we intentional to bring these three methods of instruction together to bear upon the lives of children in a consistent and biblical manner. But just as children eat a balanced diet at mealtime, we must be making sure that they receive a balanced diet of instructions in God's word and ways. Shuma, hear this. Christians everywhere must be deliberate, diligent, persistent in the spending of time teaching the children essential truths of God and his word, the gospel of Christ, the grace of God, and righteous ways to live. We must be careful that these truths are lived out through our lives in both ways of what they hear and see. I won't repeat that long statement, but I'll leave it up there for a few moments for you to write down or focus upon. In this scripture here today, we are called as parents. 
from really all adults who are followers of Christ to teach the children about God through our words and deeds. Let's do it. But before we move forward, I'd like to make one brief note. When speaking of raising children, teaching children, leading children, I may often speak of fathers, and this is good, as the Bible does place a special burden of responsibility upon fathers with regard to leading their families spiritually into a deeper walk with God. I also believe this is to be good and important, as I firmly believe men today, myself included, need challenged here. To a greater or lesser degree, fathers, myself included, have often dropped the ball and shifted the responsibility onto mothers or others of no relation at all to get kids to church, to remember to do their CBC verses, to go to Sunday school, to be with godly friends, and to make godly choices. But I'm convinced that child raising is the job of both parents. Fathers, we must step back up to our rightful place and rule of raising children in partnership with mothers. Mothers, you have a part to play, but your part is not the only one in this plan. But one more brief comment, teaching the children the ways of God in both our words and actions is a responsibility of which all Christians must step up to the plate for. All Christians must, number one, Teach the children through your words, for they are listening. The first reminder of the passage today confronts us with is that we teach our children about God through our words. We may not often think about it, but everything we say may reflect a God-glorifying faith or the lack of. God's word here gives blunt instruction as to what is to be taught. His statutes. His commands. And it says to be careful to do them. This is serious stuff, folks. Commands of God. These are convicting statements. How often do we spend time so-called preparing kids for life? Yet not teaching God's word in the home. Not talking of our faith. Not talking of the differences between rightfully and wrongfully living according to God's word. How do we prepare them to enter the kingdom of God and have kingdom living without first teaching them, I quote, his statutes, his commands. We must, we must reverse these things around. Before discussing us, forward, I'd like to describe the historical situation here. Just a bit of context. You see, these instructions were given to the Israelites under the leadership of Moses on what we might refer to as the eve of their entrance into the promised land. Moses had led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. The disbelieving generation that did not seize the land when they first approached it had passed away. Moses is now speaking to their children and grandchildren, those who had not witnessed firsthand God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. They are now about to enter into the promised land. And Moses gives the people these solemn, serious instructions. There's a sense of urgency in Moses' voice. He's coming to the end of his ministry as the leader of people and will soon pass the baton on to Joshua, who will have the responsibility of leading the people to the attainment of God's promise. And Moses gives these words in preparation for the many changes that are about to take place in their lives. 
But his foremost concern, their spiritual warfare, their spiritual welfare. The land of Canaan, the promised land, was inhabited by people who worshipped many different gods. And in verse 4, Moses reminds the people that the God who brought them out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness is not like the false gods of the people whose land they're about to possess. The God of Israel is God, the one God, the only God, the true God. And they were to give their entire selves to him. Scripture here says, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength or might. He then tells them that the means through which this truth was to be passed on was through consistent, intentional instruction. Look down at verse 6 to 7 in your Bibles again. It says, And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Moving on to our present situation now, do we still sense the same urgency of which the words were given and received that day? Is our foremost concern the spiritual welfare of our children and to be thinking of leading them in the ways of God, the commands, the statutes, when we sit, when we walk, when we go by the way, everywhere we go? For we are strangers in a world that is hostile toward God, a world that seeks to entice us away from serving Him. Like the Israelites of old, we're tempted to pursue after many different false gods. Many things, false gods, fight for the first place in our hearts. And before you think to yourself, I don't bow before any wooden idols in my room or my office or my living room. False gods are not just that. False gods are anything which has more of a priority in your life than God. Which you serve more. You give more attention to. An idol is anything that causes your focus to shift from complete dedication to God, which takes his place. Anything that can divert your attention and causes you to pursue after it rather than God alone is an idol. Perhaps you still don't see cause for alarm. Perhaps you don't see the danger in drifting away. Well, let me ask you to think back over the past week. Or the past two weeks, the past three weeks. What I want you especially to focus on is the content of your conversation over the past 7 to 14 days. The reason I ask you to perform this little exercise is that it will reveal your true heart. It did mine. This convicting. The matters of chief importance in our lives are the things we talk about. With our mouths we confess where our loyalties lie. So I ask you. What was your conversation about this past week? The past weeks previously? Was it about God, money, work, sports, hobbies, or other things, or a combination of all? What did you focus on when you had the opportunity to talk with others and share the things that weigh heaviest on your hearts? What did you talk about or focus upon when you had the opportunity to talk about God? What did your children or the children around you hear you talking about? Because if you have not yet noticed, children are quick to pick up on what is important to us. And they're learning from our conversations and our ambitions and our dreams. 
President Woodrow Wilson said in an address in 1904, if you wish your children to be Christians, you must really take the, double, the trouble to be Christians yourself. Let me repeat that for you once again because I forgot to put a slide up on the screen. If you wish your children to be Christians, you must really take the trouble to be Christians yourself. President Woodrow Wilson's statement leads me to bring up a great problem in the church today. In opposition to the opinion of many, both inside and outside the church, Christian education is not solely the job of the local church. The local church is involved in the Christian education, but this must also be happening in the home by parents and by adult Christians everywhere. It is just nonsense to think anything else. One day a week meeting at a church is not going to be as profound on the life of a believer and a child as if they were receiving it every day and by the people who they trust and know the most. You see, daily life must daily teach God and Christ. Daily life must daily teach God and Christ. In your daily life, you must be diligent daily to teach of our great triune God and the good news of Christ our saving Messiah, and tell them of the great helper which he brings to their life. The key to teaching children to love God is stated clearly in these verses today. But do we teach it? And when? How often? Because we can never do it enough. If you want your children to follow God, you must make God part of your everyday talk, your everyday words, your everyday life. Which brings me to number two. Teach the children through your living, your actions. They are watching. Watch your steps. Not only are we to teach our children about God through our words, but also through our lives. Listen to this illustration. A father and son were climbing the mountains... When the father hesitated for a moment, he had come to a place where he had to choose between two paths and there was danger. As he stood there trying to determine the best path to take, his son reminded him of his great responsibility when he said, Go ahead, Dad. I'm right behind you. I'll follow you. There is a reason for the saying, actions speak louder than words. What we say is of great importance, and I don't want to minimize the value of speaking to our children about God, how to know Him and serve Him. I hope I've made that clear in the first part of this message today. But Christians, we must also hear this. Shuma, hear this. Christians, how we live, the paths we choose to lead our children down, have a great impact upon them, and not one just for today, but for eternity. Our kids are right behind us. They're following us. It is the daily choices we make concerning what we will do and strive for that reveal to our children what things we value most in life and what they also might want to follow after. Our words are only as good as the actions that follow. Actions speak louder than words. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we gather Sunday after Sunday is because we believe that there is more to life than pursuing after and acquiring the things of the world. 
But do we explain this to our kids? Do we show it by how we act? We have the accumulation of knowledge, one pastor says, but that knowledge oftentimes has little effect on our lives. So as I work to close, I have this final idea, challenge to remember. Children are watching us, adults, and listening. What are they hearing? What do they see? What are they hearing? What do they see? For there is nothing more confusing than a child to hear us say one thing, yet do the exact opposite. And we cannot continue to just tell children to do as we say to do, but not as we do. Our actions speak louder than words. Let's pay attention to what we're doing with our lives. But let's also pay attention to the words. For we are to be teaching the children. Listen to this other illustration I once heard. A father tells the following story about overhearing conversation between his son and two other little boys. He says, when my small boy was playing with his buddies in the backyard, I overheard them talking one day. And the conversation was amusingly one of those, my dad can whip your dad type conversations. One boy said proudly, my dad knows the mayor of our town. Another said, that's nothing. My dad knows the governor of our state. Wondering what was coming next in the program of bragging, I then heard my son say, that's nothing. My dad knows God. I slipped away from my place of eavesdropping with tears on my cheeks, on my knees in my room. I prayed earnestly and gratefully, oh God, I pray that my boy will always be able to say, my dad knows God. I talk a lot about fathers, but these are instructions for all Christians everywhere. Our children are watching our lives in order to figure out what life is all about. They want to know how to be truly successful. They want to know what is really important and worth pursuing. What lessons are they learning from you, from us, from all Christ-following adults? Do you think that they too could brag to their friends that their parents or their adult friends, their mentors know God, what legacy do we want to pass on to our children? Let's conclude. We must all be teaching the children. Everyone everywhere, teach the children about God through words. Teach the children about God through your actions. Let's commit to teaching them the truth so that they can live their lives confidently and successfully in God's truth, love, and grace. Let's be sure to take time to teach the children truth from God's point of view. For that's really the real and only truth. And always be careful to live it out consistently, diligently within your own very lives. Teach the children to pray so that they may also turn to God in their time of need. And not just the world. As we close now, I want to close with reading... Deuteronomy 4, 6-9 once more. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And the wor these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's pray as we close. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and the great guide it is to your life. We thank you for Jesus, for he is the one who saves us. The new covenant we have is one based upon your love, grace, and mercy. But it's based upon the blood of Christ being that new covenant and that display, that action of your love. We thank you, Lord, for you continuing to give us this Holy Spirit within our lives, which will never leave us or forsake us, but will continue to help us and guide us. May we continue listen, to listen to you and to look to glorify you as we look for opportunities every day and everywhere to teach the children your statutes and your commands. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen.